All right, we're looking at um, Romans chapter 8. So if you can open your Bibles up, Romans chapter 8. Just to recap from a little bit of last week or the week before, um, we read Romans chapter 7, a little bit of that, and that's about the struggle. The Apostle Paul, this is the guy who wrote nearly the whole New Testament. The Apostle Paul struggled with the fact that he had a law of sin in his body. Yet inside of him, he desired God. And he had this big wrestling between sin that was in his body and his desire to do what's right. And he found that if he tried to do what was right by his efforts to keep God's law, just understand, just let's just pause for a minute, just think. Paul says if he tried to do what was right by what the Bible says according to the law, he found there was a law in his body that did the opposite. So he wanted to do what's right, but when he tried to keep the law, his body did the opposite to what he wanted. And he going, well, who's going to deliver me from this body, this body of sin? And then at the very last verse, so we'll start by reading the last verse of chapter 7, and, um, or last two verses, from verse 24. We'll read, start there, and then we'll read a little bit into chapter 8, and we'll just discuss things as we go along. Okay. Anyone want to, who wants to read for us? And go into chapter 8. There is no condemnation now for those who live in union with Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit which brings us life in union with Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do because human nature was weak, God did. He condemned sin in human nature by sending his own son who came with a nature like man's sinful nature to do away with sin. God did this so that the righteous demands of the law might be fully satisfied in us who live according to the Spirit and not according to the human nature. All right, just pause there. Let's, I, for years and years, you read this and it was like just gobbledygook. It's like, <laughs> what on earth does it mean? If you don't understand, you, what, what you need to understand is that if you have been born of God's Spirit, you are part of two creations. The first creation, you were born of your natural mother and father. And you received everything that is part of that creation is this body. And it's a body that there is a law working in it. It's the law of sin and death. This, this body is completely weakened. It can never serve God because the floor isn't with God's law. God's law is perfect, isn't it? All of God's law, there's nothing wrong with God's law. So there's God's law and there's me. Where's the floor? Me. Me. I'm the floor. So God's law doesn't change. It's perfect. But I'm the floor. My body, everything that I have from Adam, just constantly falling short of the glory of God. Who's going to deliver me from this? 
This is where a new creation comes in. When God gives somebody birth, as we were discussing last week when we saw um, Deanne's story, God gave her his spirit. And it's, it's a phenomenon. What takes place when God puts his spirit inside of somebody, the transformation of somebody's, the desires that are on the inside. Now the spirit that God gives to somebody in the new creation, this is what he's saying. He's saying, I can't do this, but I thank God Jesus Christ is my answer. How is Jesus Christ my answer? He said, well, the whole argument before this in the, in the book of Romans was that if the only person who can actually keep God's law and this requirement who is actually acceptable to God is not you. Who is it? It's only Jesus Christ is the only man who can keep God's law in perfect. He keeps it out of love for God. He loves God and he loves his fellow man. What I need is I need that person in me because he alone can do it. So there is this thing that God does is when somebody gets born of God's spirit, it's literally, it's literally. I, I, I often would bring a picture of Jai and go, this boy was born, that's, I'm his father. It's literally, you can look at it and go, yeah, I understand that. As literal as I am Jai's father, if somebody is born of God's spirit, who's their father? God. So when somebody receives a new creation, the new creation is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's part of Jesus Christ. So there's this part of you, if you're born of God, that loves God because Jesus Christ loves God. There's part of you, this new creation, that does not sin. It's actually completely holy. And just, just so that you're not doubting what I say there, let's actually read something. Who's, who wants to read? Um, I think it'll probably be Ephesians. I think it's Ephesians. Just I'll, I'll read it out for you guys. Colossians. That you put on the new man, this is from uh, Ephesians chapter 4, just listen to what it says. Put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So think about this. This new creation that God gives inside of us is created according to God in true holiness and righteousness. So if God puts something inside of me, that is holy and righteous, 
the wrestling that is going to go on, the striving that's going to go on is going to be between you from your mother's birth, your mother and father's creation, and the Spirit of God within you, which is loves God and is without sin. Okay? Now, how do I go about living the life God requires? And this is where I hope, listen guys, you are just starting off younger. It's taken me years to understand what's going on in the Christian walk. And I want to save you the struggle of trying it all in your own strength and realize you can't do it. There is a way to walk with God. It's called to walk or live in God's spirit. So now this is where we're going to enter in, all right? One thing I want you to really understand from the beginning is that if you are born of God, that part of in, inside of you that desires to be without sin, that's God's spirit. That's a new creation and it's perfect. But the other part of you, which hasn't been changed yet, is the part you look in the mirror at. All right. It didn't change when you got born again, as in you look, you've still got flesh and blood. That hasn't changed. And keep this in mind. It won't change until the resurrection. All right. So what you look at in the mirror will not change. There will be sin in my body. There will be passions and desires and lusts and things that affect me all the days of my life while I live in this body. It will not change. This is where it doesn't even get better. Be careful with my words. Understand what I'm saying. Paul looked at his body and he goes, in my flesh there dwells no good thing. This is the Apostle Paul, God's messenger. And he wasn't saying it, well, well, that's today, tomorrow it'll be better. No, in my body there dwells nothing good. There's nothing good in me. And that's the testimony of the Apostle Paul till the day he died. There's nothing good in me. So as a Christian, I want you to think of this. Understand that there is something you're going to have to come to terms with and realize you are a sinful person in this body. But what God does on the inside is put his spirit inside a sinful body. Now, anyone got any idea why God would do that? Mercy, Mercy all right. Yeah. Throw some other ideas out. To show the difference, yeah. All right, if he shows a difference, why would he want to show a difference? To make, like, to make his, himself more glorified. Yep, He'd, so that's what your, your point. All right, so how does God get glorified? By putting his spirit inside a sinful, a full of sin body. By overcoming it. Now, this is what we don't get. We don't get the fact that what's in us, apart from God, is the greatest force in the whole universe. It's actually more powerful than Satan. 
It's called sin. And there's only one person that can overcome it. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. All right? And if God puts the Lord Jesus in me, it's for this purpose, to overcome. All right? How long does that take? How long is this process going to go on for? Until what? Until he comes. Or until we die. Until we get our new body. All right. Now, how, how quickly does God over... How, how quickly does this work happen in you? Not very quick. <laughs> well, it's immediate. Because he has already died for it and overcome it. Yes. Because sin has no hold over us. Right? No. Yeah, no, keep well, going. Keep going. Think it through. He's already died so that he conquered death. Yes. And he's conquered sin. Yes. The curse of sin is death. Yes. And so then therefore, it's already done. Yes. And it's just we have to, but we have to, because we are under um, still the law of our flesh, that we have to die in order to receive the full benefit of his Good. It's good. I'm just trying to get, no, he actually, you're muddled up there a little bit, but it's good. It's good to try and voice what you're thinking. I want you to ask this. Let's look in two parallels. I'll ask you guys questions. When were you made a sinner? We were born into it. All right. You were born into it. So from Adam. When was it all finished? No, 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 no. When was it fit? all over and done with? You were made a sinner. So Adam sinned and it was finished. It's done. You're a sinner. But it's played out in my life. It's played out in my life. I get born at a certain stage and all that sin works out in me, doesn't it? It shows up in me. I'm a sinful being. I can say 6,000 years since Adam... What God said, that I was made a sinner, it's true. I am a sinner today. All right, it's played out in time. The same thing happened at the cross. It is finished, all right? So Jesus conquered sin and he conquered death, all right? Now, if God then, now watch what God does. He did that for everybody God joined in Christ's body. Just like Adam, Adam did it for everybody who would be born of his descendants. So Jesus Christ conquered sin and death for everyone that God joined to him. Now, how has it played out? It's played out in time. The first part of the playing out is God gives me a birth. I'm a baby. I'm born as a babe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he puts the victory... He puts the conqueror inside of me in what form? He's called a, it's called, I'm born a baby. All right. So the baby's put inside of what sort of person then would I be called in, say, from Adam? Am I, I'm sinful? Yep. But compare it, a man. All right. A, a baby conqueror. Christ is a born, a baby in Christ. Inside of a man of Adam. <laughs> so, and like when you look at Deanne last week and look at your own life, you realize you've lived in sin for all these years and suddenly God puts 
and you, you know nothing. You, you know nothing about God, but God puts his spirit inside a person who may be entrenched in, in sins that just have complete hold. Sins you don't even know of at the time. All right. Take Deanne from last week because it's, it's, it's in our minds, her testimony. What was she delivered from last? What, 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 when God put his spirit in her, what was she delivered from? Addiction. Addiction. Straight away, just boof. Another thing, she was no longer afraid. So all of a sudden, fear went. Is she... So the spirit of God that went into her at that stage conquered certain things. Is there anything more to conquer in Deanne and you? Yep, sinful body. What all that? Have, I don't know whether you realize that once you conquer something, God then peels the next layer off. It's to conquer. It's almost as though you are endlessly layered, an endless layer of sin that God has to deal with. Okay? Now, before we start reading into this and, and discussing the, the rest of Romans, I want you to think of one thing. If you know the Bibles, when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt through the hand of Moses, after he went through the wilderness in Egypt, he said, now I'm going to send you into the promised land, this land that God's promised by the hand of Joshua. And they're going to go in as an army but what was the land? Can you tell me what was the land full of? It was full of milk and honey. So it's a good land. It's a good land God's going to bring into them. But it's full of Canaanites. And what sort of people? They're giants. Were they more powerful than the Israelites? They were. The Bible says there were seven nations more powerful than the Israelites. And But does God say, I'm going to give them into your hand? Yes. But does God say, I'm going to give them into your hands all at once? No, he doesn't. He actually tells them, I will not give them into your hands all at once. I will give them into your hands little bit by little bit. Because if you, and there's a reason behind it. So you watch them go in and then you see this is our Christian walk. They go into the land and they face Jericho. Boom! The walls of Jericho come down by whose power? Hmm, God's power. <laughs> and they conquered Jericho. They conquered it, but it was by God's power. But then they get, then sin enters in, doesn't it? Someone sees Achan wanted this and he grabs it. Well, they lost power. And God handed them over to their enemies. And this cycle goes on and on where they become proud or they turn to the desires of the nations. They take on their practice and God hands them over. There you go. They're in bondage to the things of this world. And until they cry out to God, God, and in their bondage, they cry out. And the Bible says God sends them. God sends them a savior who delivers them. And the process happens again. Praise God. We're going to serve God within Within 40 years, everyone's gone after the nations. Oh, look what all the nations are doing. We want what they want. God hands them into bondage again. All right? Hello, Christians. <laughs> this is going to be your journey 
that you must understand one thing. It is God who must and is the only one to deliver you from the things that hold you slaves. Yeah, I've got a million questions. But, anyway. <laughs> uh, but Jesus says to certain people, go and sin no more. Mm. As in to the person. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Why, Why um, if we were to read a little bit further on, mm. the way Paul phrases it from verse 5, chapter 8, verse 5, Romans. Yep. I know it's for teaching purposes, but the way he's worded it is so... You're either walking the Spirit or you're not. Whereas we've been describing how it's a journey, it's a journey and it's a back step and a forward step and it's a mixture and all that going. Let's read it and let's discuss it. Can you read it um, from verse 5? Um, yeah, verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God, does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. All right, just, let's just pause it there. Let's chew on that for a moment. Those who live according to the flesh or the sinful nature set their minds on the things of... Do you... Do you let's go to us. <laughs> what do your minds get set on? What do, you, what do you feed on in your minds? How much of that goes on? A whole lot, all right? So the reality is that we know very well, we, no one has to teach us <laughs> to set our minds on earthly things. All right? No one has to teach us. Um, it's all around us. And not only that, if we feed whoever continues on that, the Bible says it produces death in us. All right. Now, this is mine and your life. No one has to teach you it. What do you feed? What do people feed their minds on? What do you? What helps with your thoughts? Good question. Um, Not you. With with the things of the earth, do you once think that there were things for like good things, sort of thing? Yeah. yeah. I think I think everything on this earth is tainted by our desires by running after it when everything on this earth is made to be enjoyed in a correct setting mm-hmm. in a right setting. All right? So that everything that we call lust or desire of evil things in its rightful place there is a holy and a right place for it. Um, take, for example, sexual desires. It's the 
perversion of what's wrong and the use of it in our minds and our actions that pervert it. That's an evil side of it. But on the flip side, it's designed to be perfect in good and right. So it's, you're right, it's everything in this world that we have is designed to be in a way that is good. The problem is there's a twist in us. There's a twist in us. And um, our minds, by nature, by nature, our minds will go a certain way. All right? So let's, let's, just be rea let's just pause here. Just so people know, this is normal. If you're sitting here thinking, I'm battling with all sort of things and I wonder if anyone other Christians battle with, with things and thoughts in their minds and desires. Listen, nothing that happens to you is, is strange. It's the fact that it's called a sinful nature. It's a battle where things come into our mind. There are male battles and there are female battles. There are things that affect males with their testosterone and their desires, and there are things that affect females, in, and they're different. God made us differently. Those things are, it's a natural, but twisted, all right, twisted. The one thing that we need, <laughs> the thing that we need is we don't have, and it's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the only thing that can actually put this whole thing right. The whole of me. Um, I just want to I just wanted to jump to a scripture. I need you to understand this. This is so critical. The only person that can put my mind right, my heart, my desires and affections right, every part of me that's got a twist in it, that came from Adam and sin, that self, the only person who can do it is Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God given to me. And remember what Jesus said when he came and the very first thing he read out in his ministry he opened up the scroll of Isaiah and he said, this uh, today, the scripture has been fulfilled. What was that scripture? It's in Luke chapter 4. Yep. And it says, uh, you can help me out here. The Spirit, <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yep. Yep. Um, to give sight to the blind. To the blind and one more thing. Those in prison. Those in prison to be basically freed. So you realize that the own, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and He's anointed me to do these things. Last week, Deanne gave her story. It was the Spirit of the Lord coming into her, giving, given by God to her, that just set her free from set free. The one thing you and I need above all else is not my own power. It's if the Spirit of the Lord is given to me, 
he sets me free. Okay? So in your Christian walk, you're going to do, you're going to follow the road. Every single one will try. You are going to try and set yourself free. You just, you want to, you want to be free. So you're going to try. You don't realize you need to look to him alone who can do it. So let's just read a little bit more, right? So then, if this is the case, that says you are no longer in the flesh. Well, I'm still in this flesh, but you are in the spirit if the spirit of God lives in you. And if the spirit of Christ doesn't live in you, you don't belong to him. So this is important, isn't it? If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you need him. This is impossible living. What happened to Deanne, whatever you, what happened in your own life? Look, listen. If you're sitting here thinking, do I have the Spirit of God? Well, don't I? I'm not sure. Well, just don't sit there going, I'm not sure, I don't know. Ask God. God, God, I don't know, but I want your Spirit. So you don't just sit there going, oh, dear me, I'm in trouble, I don't have. Go ask him. Go ask him. All right. Who's going to read? All right. Verse 10. Real quick. Yep. Yeah, exactly. My point before is that it, it could be worded perhaps for Christians to say when you are operating in the Spirit. I think so. Yes. Because it's possible to, to go between the two. It's not written like this. No, it's like written either. If you're not living, yeah, you're, if you're not living by the Spirit, you're, you're, you're in something. But you realize that you as a Christian can live in the flesh and you will die. As in, um, you will not have the life of God in you. There is a life that comes from God. It's the, it's the Christian life. Break down the word Christian. It's the Christ in. It's the Christ. It's, it's the... <laughs> well, this is for me, see? <laughs> It's the Christ in life. Because without Christ, it's not a possibility. He's the only one who can do it. So I have to ask him, keep my eyes fixed on him, looking to him to work in my life. Have I experienced it? Yes. Yes, I've experienced God setting me free from sin, even into my recent times. And will always go on until the day I die. But I'm learning now, when I'm, when I'm got sin, is not about trying to, like I had this guy speak to us down the beach the, on um, Saturday. He got all grumpy. I was smiling at him. <laughs> but my poor old mind, my poor old mind wasn't smiling later on. It was, um, you know, I might be smiling at the outside, but my mind, you know how your mind starts thinking, you have all these warfares, you have these battles in your mind. He called you a tourist. <laughs> hey, hey, call me a tourist. No, he was really upset and grumpy. But anyway, you realise that what goes on out here can be a nice smile, and, but inside you're... All fired up, you know. <laughs> you realize that there's not nice Christ coming out of me, you know, on the inside. But anyway, getting past that. 
What? Ah, we were we were playing a little bit of volleyball with a little child right near where he was having his dinner, and his his little boy decided to join with us, which I think might have been what got up his nose actually. But anyway, all right, let's read. Who's got verse ten? It can't stay that way. It can't stay that way. If Christ is in you and you're living according to the flesh, what he did to the Israelites in going into the land will happen to you. He will give you over to your bondage. Is that why it says, um, do not conform yourself to the ways of this world? But be transformed transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it means you're constantly being renewed. It's constantly renewing, yeah. So then what God does is if you are pursuing the things of the flesh, God does something strange, gives you to them until they completely enslave you. And in your groaning, because the Spirit of God's in you, your groaning's like, you want to be free. So it's scary, you realise, and along with that comes discipline and pain. Pains with God and the pains involved with circumstances in life is designed to give you a good old whack by God to cause pain and suffering for you to turn to Him. Okay. Character, the yes, character. yes, that's it. All right, now let's go through because you, you'll see how all this works. Who can read? If someone reads from verse 10. Just think, all right, I've got a body that's dead, that's dead because of sin. Now, this is where the Bible's use of terms hard for us to get our head around. Last week, Deanne talked about her life. The voice said to her, your life is dead. She wasn't dead. She was alive. But God viewed her as without his life. Without his life, everything that she was in was death. We, when we read this, it's, Your body is dead because of sin. That is, this body doesn't have the life of God in it. It's sin that reigns in this body. But even though this body has sin reigning it, if Christ is in you, if Christ is in you, your spirit is life. (laughs) So body's death, your spirit is life because of Christ. And if the Spirit, now watch this, this is where you try and get a hold of this. If the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead lives in you. All right? All right. Pause. Important statement. Where was Christ? How, how impossible is it to pull somebody out of death? 
It's not possible for man. It's not possible for anyone. It's, and it's, the Bible talks about Ephesians, is that same power that God exerted in Christ when he raised him out of death and took him up and set him at his own right hand. All right? It's describing a power, listen closely, that's greater than all the power God exerted in the first six days of creation. Now stop and think about it. In the first six days of creation, God made the heaven, the earth, and everything in them that was, including all the billions of light years and the galaxies of stars. All that power is far smaller than the power required by God to raise Christ out of death because it was the conquering of all sin that was taking place. If the power that raised Christ from out of the dead and put him at his right hand dwells in you, all right? If that is the spirit that is going to dwell in you, the same one who raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that, ra that raised Christ from the dead will give life to your bodies. That is not an if, but, or maybe. <laughs> All right? That is not, well, he might deliver you from sin. He could possibly set you free from sin. If this spirit lives in you, he is going to deliver you. That's the promise. Do you believe it though? Do you believe he's got power? Do you believe that he has the power to free you? His name is called Jesus because he will save his people from what? Their sins. All right. Let's see how it works. Who's going to keep reading? Yep. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Oh, I'll throw some questions out. See, try and make you think. So we're debtors. We're in debt to who? What? Verse 12. Who are we in debt to? To God. Yep. We're in debt to not the flesh, but we're in debt to the spirit that God has put within us. We're in debt. Why are we in debt? Well, we did nothing right to deserve it. Yes. So he didn't do anything. Is, was, is Deanne in debt? She's in debt to God's mercy. She's in debt to God putting his spirit in her. Now, if God puts his spirit in Deanne and Deanne goes, Woohoo! I can do whatever I want. I'm free to do what I want. She's not free, is she? She's in debt. She's in debt to God who gave her life. Now she's in debt to God's spirit. But it's not a debt where you go, oh, I've got to pay the jolly bank back again today. It's, it's a debt of gratitude, love, because of God's mercy, all right? It's a debt. 
But then it says, it goes on then and says, all right, let me ask you this question. Um, how, if we are led by the Spirit of God, we're sons of God, how are we led by God's Spirit? How are we, if we're sons of God, it says whoever is led by God's Spirit, they're sons of God. Yes, all right. Now put it into put it into practice as in real life. No, because everyone has a conscience. All right. So you're on the right track, but there is a difference between the spirit of God and your conscience. Your conscience comes through is given is is can be influenced by the way your parents see things, the culture sees things, everyone sees things, everyone has a culture. But anyone who has the spirit of God what does the Spirit of God love? Everything good. Loves everything good. Loves God, doesn't it? Yeah. The Spirit of God loves God. So now, if the Spirit of God is put within you, what are you going to? What, what's what's going to happen on the inside of you? Love. There's love. Love for what? All right, let's break it down. Love for what? What's really going to be life. Yeah. Love for what God loves, all right? Love for others, love for God, and love for what God loves, all right? So that as we're, when we're born of God, the things God loves means that I will be doing something and there will be a check. There will be something inside of me that's going, Ian, don't do that. Don't watch that, Ian. Don't listen to that. It's something, it's God's spirit who is grieved because of what this body is feeding on by my eyes, by my ears or my actions, all right? So those who are led by God's spirit are those who are the spirit of God. There's, there's something in them that's wanting to do right, all right? Well, you got you got God's spirit here, and you got the devil inside. <laughs> As in, no, 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 isn't it fascinating? Now, think about how crazy this is. When Jesus came into this world, was he absolute pure? So he came into this world, and all around him were what sort of people? Sinners. All right, all right. That must have been hard for him to live, mustn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, now watch what he does now. If that's how he reacted, if that's how he reacted coming into this world where the people are around him are sinful, what happens when he comes into me? <laughs> Isn't it that in a very more personal state? Because he's surrounded by me. Is he going to groan? Are you going to groan? Yeah. Oh, good. Because this is where you're understanding. Watch what happens. Keep reading, Luke. Um, 14? Um, it's 15. 15. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive is brought about your adoption to sonship. And 
By him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. All right, watch this. Isn't this incredible? What happens when the Spirit of God gets poured into our hearts? What do we cry out? What's the, what's the natural... Father, there's this... It's love for God, isn't it? So, so when the Spirit of God is put into someone's heart, it's, it's God is my Father. I don't know this Father, but He's Father. I love Him. I don't know much about Him. Now, once this Spirit, it wasn't for bondage, it's for freedom, isn't it? It's for freedom from... So notice, God hasn't given us a spirit for bondage. That's what we got from who? Adam. It was a spirit of bondage. But we've been given a spirit that is a... Nothing has this spirit in bondage. It's the spirit of God. If this spirit lives in me... Now, if that's the case, look at who you are. Look what it says you are. Tell me who you are. Say it again. Tell me. Co-heirs with Christ. Hang on. If, if we're a co-heir, what's an heir? In line for the throne, all right? Who sits on this throne then that we're talking about? God sits on the throne and the heir, the one who inherits everything from the Father, is who? Christ. All right. Now, we are co-joint. So we're with Christ as heirs of who? So we're heirs of who? We're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with Christ and we, the spirit within us cries out what? Abba, Father, Father. So this, now this is where you can just scratch your heads right now because you haven't got a clue what God in his mercy has done for people, everyone who's born of God. It's a mercy that you don't have a clue about. It happens to you. It happens to Deanne when she wasn't even seeking it. It happens in our hearts and we... Today, I don't have a clue, I'll tell you that honestly, what it is to be an heir of God. All I know is that the Bible says it's going to take the ages to come to show the mercy and the grace of God towards us. Right? Now, but then it throws in a spanner. It says we are heirs of God and we're joint heirs with Christ if we suffer with him. Now, what suffering have we just, our whole context that started with Paul going, Oh, wretched man that I am. What's the suffering going on? The battle between the flesh, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the Spirit of God. If we suffer, is Christ suffering inside of you? So Christ is suffering. Now, to join with him, how do you join with Christ in suffering. Yeah. I just got a mad picture in my head. So, <laughs> so when what came into my head was that God, because Jesus came down as a man, His Spirit was in Jesus. Yep. And like the 
must have been a almighty power in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep and going. When, because I've never really got it, but when Jesus died, that spirit spread over to everyone and went in everyone. So the oh man. Every one of God's children. Exactly. Exactly. It's incredible. What did Jesus say when he ascended to the Father? He said to the apostles, wait. He says, I am going to... Yeah. His Spirit. Yeah, so the Spirit was given to Christ. So he is full of the Spirit of God. Then he ascends to the Father's right hand and asks the Father to send the Spirit that was upon him. Where to? Every one of his sons, every one of his children get the same spirit that is upon Christ. And if the same spirit that was upon Christ, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind. Then he's, when he sends the spirit of God upon the end, what happens? She's free. This is where the church goes into, they, they forget who they are called to be. And they go looking. When we get someone like Deanne come into church and they haven't been set free, well, we need to send them to the professionals to deal with this sort of stuff. Listen, the one professional that you can see when Deanne was sitting here last week, the one professional who can set people free from the ruin of their own lives is who? The Spirit of the Living God. And it happens today. The person who set Tamsin free from 14 years on heroin <laughs> in seven days filled <coughs> with God's Spirit and she's free. It wasn't by the man's professionals. It was by the Spirit of the living God. All right? Now, if that's the case, I just want to fly because I want you to see what it's talking So if we're going to suffer with Christ, watch what happens. Have, have you ever groaned? Have you ever seen yourself and you, 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 you're bound with something and you cry, oh, wretched man, you kick yourself and go, I'm going to do better next time, only to find, boom. You, you can't free yourself from... There are things so powerful in our heart and lives that you can't free yourself. You need the Spirit of God. Now, are you going to join God, Christ in your sufferings? To join Christ in your sufferings means that are you going to groan over your sin? Yeah. You're going to go, God, God, free me. Set me free. Set me free. Please set me free. How long are you going to cry? Until he sets you. Send your spirit to me. I need your spirit. Dear God, I need your spirit. I am bound by this, this, this and this. Send your spirit to me. I need your spirit. You promised. You said the spirit of the Lord is on me. And he's anointed me to do this. To set the captives free. And you remind God. God, you promised your spirit to me. This is, this is the one thing us humans desperately need. I need your spirit. All right. So you enter into suffering with Christ. All right. Let's quickly read and sh to see. Uh, can you keep going, Luke? 
that's it. Yeah, that's the right approach as opposed to thinking oh, I have to die to yeah. desires. I have to die to myself, my old man. And that's how most people think oh, I have to I die. have to do it. Mm. I, rather than going, I, the desire is right. The energies are right. Oh, with everything in me, I want to be good. I want to be holy. I want it. I want it. But then you realize I can't produce it. Without me, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's whole books written about achieving the same thing, Christian books, mm. but sometimes they miss the point about how to get there. Over and over. It's the how-to. They, they, they sell them in the Christian, the, the bookshops are full of seven steps to such and such, six steps to such and such. All, you could just go into a secular shop and pick the same six steps and the same seven steps off the secular shop. Because, yes, there are steps in, of wisdom in the Bible. Don't let me just ridicule all, yeah. everything. But understand, there is, we've forgotten that the Spirit of God is the one who sets people free. He truly is given. All right. Can you keep reading, Luke? I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought in the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. The redemption of our bodies, the redemption of our bodies. For this hope we are saved, Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Oh, Alright, get what it's saying. It's going, listen, it's drawing a parallel. This whole creation is groaning at the moment because of the curse that God allowed to through Adam to come on it. And it's groaning and it's waiting for the revelation of God's sons who are freed, who have been freed from their slavery to sins. The creation's waiting for it. And then we're also groaning. We're groaning because we want to be free from this body. We want a body. And while we're groaning, not only are we groaning, waiting for this body, who else is groaning, the Bible says? The Spirit of God's groaning, not only groaning. The Spirit of God is praying for who? For me. He's praying for me, Ian. He's praying the Father for Ian to be freed from 
the things that enslave him, all right? So to think, then they think, hang on, if the Spirit of God's praying for me, I'm groaning, I'm des- I wait patiently. I know, I know. My desire is I'm joining with Christ in his sufferings. I know the Spirit of God desires victory of my sin over me, from me. So we're in this together. So do you see now that you in your Christian walk, it's not a crazy thing to realize that you battle constantly with desires and sin. What's that? It's a good thing. It actually, oh, it's actually, it's a, I might be born of God. (laughs) I might have God's spirit in me. Blessed are those who mourn because of their sin. And blessed are those who know they are poor in the spirit and they need God's spirit. And hunger and thirst for righteousness. All right. Now, here's the clincher in the. Let's just realize that he's running through and now he's going to get that ka-chung, ka-ching. This is where it's just like, whoa. Can you keep going, Luke? Ka-chow. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Just, just pause there. That means that everything in the Christian life, God is working in how many things? in all the things that are happening in our life. Even in the things where God peels back, the circumstance is allowed to take place, that shows up my heart. Oh, who's work? who allowed? It's not that God made me do evil, but God allows a circumstance to take place that shows me up. Look inside of me. Look what's in me. Look what's there. I, Lord, I am a sinful man. God does it. Why? Because those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to who? To the, what's that, Tammy? The likeness of Christ. So you realize the whole purpose in everything that God's doing, the wrestling, the groaning, the suffering, is to conform you to Christ's likeness, to shape Christ in you. Now, just a couple more verses and let's finish. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave himself, gave him up for all, for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Then, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble and hardship, or persecution, or famine, 
or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Alright, let's just, we'll finish off there. I know there's a few verses, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. But watch what he's saying. He's going, listen, listen. If this is what God has done, and he's, those he foreknew, he's predestined to be conformed to Christ's image. And those he predestined, he justified them. Now it's all past tense, as in it's, it's, it's not a question of, it's not a question, well, sorry, what was that, Tom? It's done. It's done. They he justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. So have a look at Christ sitting at the throne, the right hand of God. That's how God sees the work in every one of his children. It's finished. It's, it's, going, it's going to happen. It's going to take place. Now, what are we going to say to all these things? What are we going to say? Well, look, look. If God has given us of his spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the greatest power, greater than all the creation in the six days of creation, set him at God's right hand and God has put that spirit in us and that spirit's groaning within us and that spirit's praying within us and that spirit's transforming us to Christ's image. What are we going to say to all this? If God's for me, if God's for me. Now, now, it doesn't matter how sinful I am, if God's for me. It doesn't matter how many things I'm battling in sin. If God's for me, who can be against me? If he delivered up his own son for me, how will he not, listen to the question, how will not God, in union with Christ, freely give me all things that belong to Christ? This isn't just a rhetorical question like, well, maybe God won't, will or maybe God won't. If you are a joint heir with Christ, God gave up his own son so that everything that Christ has, the spirit was upon Christ, freedom from sin was upon Christ, victory. If God gave, if that was Christ, will not God along with Christ give you, give, give, give. What's, what's a gift? Give is a gift. This is something that is given as a gift. So that's where we're going to leave it tonight. Listen, you in your battle, if you're born of God, you'll be struggling with sin. You will struggle with your battles. But I want you to understand that God's purpose is he's given you his spirit. We are more than conquerors. It doesn't matter what comes our way. Persecution, nakedness, famine, sword, doesn't matter what comes our way in the circumstances we know that he's working all things and we are more than conquerors never thought about why are we more than conquerors do you conquer who conquers it's this one god's put in us who is god has given to conquer me he's given him to conquer me until I'm conformed. You can't change yourself, but you can certainly ask God, desire God, make me like Christ. And that's where we'll finish it. Yeah. Anyone 
Any questions out of it? some of those martyrdoms where that early church went through martyrdoms you just shake your head you go when they get to face death um, and the, way they, the way they face death you realize oh they're held up as heroes so you're held up as heroes because in the face of death you have all these young girls led into a, a stadium full of wild animals and they're singing unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood until their last voice is smashed by wild beasts. What's that? Hey? What is that? That's the early church history. That's just... When, when people are burned at the stake and they are telling the people who are burning them of the God's kingdom of God's grace of God's mercy while they're burning now you realize that this is not something that you can just beat up okay I'm gonna be strong here you realize that in the moment this is in in the moment of death that if God calls these people to it he doesn't abandon them the going well see how you go I hope you stand strong stay come on come on don't give in God's not standing there going, God's there. God's in the flame with them, with his spirit, so that people looked on in that time. When I, what I'm quoting was from an actual book. People looked on, and some of the strongest soldiers in the Roman army saw the Christians go to their death. And we've never seen anything like this on the battlefield. We have never seen anything. What is this power? And yeah, you had the whole mob of Rome baying for their blood. And yet in the midst of it, God is <laughs> God's using what he's doing. So hopefully that's not necessarily what we end up. But you realize that your situation, it's no matter. It's the same hope. It's, it's the same, same hope. Spirit. Same spirit with you. Why don't we sing and... Uh, We'll continue on this a little bit more practically next week. So, yeah. Well, why is we not sure I read Romans twelve? Those first few verses, yeah. Those first few.
bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Amen. And do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Yeah. By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body with each member belongs to all others. Mm. I love what you saw before there, Ryan. It's great. It's good. <laughs> keep, keep thinking on it, because that's what meditation and revelation is. You just keep thinking on the same thing. Exactly. Because I was always like, what, like, what was the point? Like, but yeah, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah. Told you he was a deep thinker. <laughs> hey, God gave him a flash of revelation then, eh? Yeah. Keep going. If you, God gives you a flash of revelation, keep thinking on it during the week. Just toss it over in your mind. Toss it over again. And you'll find... God often leads you in your thinking, shoot, shoots off that. Yeah. 